Trippers, and welcome to the next episode of How Good It Is, a weekly podcast that takes a closer look at songs from the rock and roll era, and we check out some of the stories behind those songs and the artists who made them famous. My name is Claude Paul, and it's summertime, summertime, some, some, summertime. Hey, don't forget to check out the website, howgooditis.com, and the Twitter, and the Instagram, and of course the Facebook page, which you can find over at facebook.com slash Pod. This week's trivia is a two-parter for ye. Here's part one. Before he was the drummer for the Monkees, Mickey Dolenz was an actor. And as a child, he had a part in a TV series that ran for two seasons beginning in 1956. What was the name of that program? Here's part two. In the 1970s, Mickey was seriously considered to play a role on another TV series that eventually ran for 11 seasons. There aren't a lot of them, but there are a couple. Name that show, and for bonus internet points, name the role that ultimately went to a different actor. As usual, I'll have the answer at the end of the program. So if I sound a little different this week, it's because I'm not in my usual home studio. I'm on the road for the next several days, headed to a family event. And so today, the How Good It Is studios are located in an oceanfront condo in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. So if you happen to hear, I don't know, seagulls or copper tone or some such in the background, well, that's the reason why. Also, while I try to make the show as evergreen as possible, I need to share some news with you. How Good It Is has been one of a very few podcasts selected for a scholarship to attend the 2019 Podcast Movement Conference in Orlando this summer. It's a hugely exciting opportunity, and I hope to learn a lot about how to make this show an even better experience for you, especially since it's your support that has gotten me this far, and I cannot thank you enough for it. So there are going to be a few shows that sound a little weird this summer for similar reasons, and my wife suggested that I take a few weeks off, but there's really so much going on this summer, I wanted to cover it in a contemporary fashion. I just couldn't take the time off. Uh, We've got a few 50th anniversaries coming up that I want to share with you. There's the podcast movement thing, and I have a couple of other projects cooking that if they work out the way I hope they will, they're going to shake out to be some pretty special shows. So keep your fingers crossed. This week we are taking our fourth run at songs which were pretty big hits on the charts, but which you might not realize are covers of other artists. Now up until the mid-50s or so, having several artists sing a specific song was pretty common because more often than not, the artists weren't writing their own material. Instead, they were turning to songwriters and the songwriters... They had no problem at all with having a bunch of musicians licensing out their work. But as the industry moved into the era of singers being more or less expected to compose their own material, singing someone else's work became more of an homage to the previous piece than anything else. It wasn't frowned upon, but it definitely became less common. And a lot of times, a song might not get a lot of attention when it's first recorded, but it becomes a big hit when somebody else picks it up and puts their own spin on it. So for our first entry today, I'm going to play the original version first. The artist in this case is a band leader named Perez Prado, and this is an instrumental, so pay attention to the melody line. Thank you. 
wanted you to get a handle on that because the cover version added lyrics. And it's the vocals that, of course, are following that melody. So on first listen, you wouldn't necessarily think that it's the same song. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mambo number five. That's right, Lou Vega's Mambo Number no. 5, which was all over your radio in 1999, was originally recorded by Perez Prado in 1949. But it's not as simple as that. You see, Vega sampled part of Prado's recording to make his own, but he also wrote the lyrics on his own, so he tried to claim all the rights on this new recording. Prado's estate, which is called Peer Music, wasn't having any of that, and they sued Vega. The trial was held in Vega's home country of Germany, so it was expected to break in Vega's favor because it's not illegal over there to register riffs for copyright. But it turned out that Vega's publishing company had contacted Peer Music prior to the song's release to get a royalty agreement. But since Vega had written the lyrics, the song now has a co-writing credit. And for my money, giving it the same title in the recording itself had to be a strike against him as well. Let's move on. For my money, Joan Jett's 1982 recording of I Love Rock and Roll is practically a perfect record. It's got an opening that grabs you immediately. It's got the rock star snarl in it. It's got a great chorus that you know everyone in the crowd is going to sing along with. It has a terrific bridge, and it's neither too long nor too short. And it's also a cover. I Love Rock and Roll was written in 1975 by a guy named Alan Merrill. Merrill said in an interview that he wrote the song as a response to the Rolling Stones' It's Only Rock and Roll, but I like it. The song wound up as a B-side to a track called Broken Down Heart, and while Merrill's band, The Arrows, would play it live a lot, the record didn't do too much. However, the song prompted a British television producer to offer them a contract to do a show in the UK, which they called Arrows, because they're clever that way. And while Joan Jett was touring with her band The Runaways in 1976, she happened to catch the band playing the song on TV. A couple of years later, she recorded the song as a solo artist, along with a couple of the Sex Pistols. Then again, she did it in 1982 with her new band, The Blackhearts. I thought about playing a clip of the Sex Pistols version, but there's really not a ton of difference between it and The Blackhearts. Maybe the second version is a little more polished, but that's about it. And go figure, it wasn't long after that that Merrill had his version reissued, this time with I Love Rock and Roll as the A side and Broken Down Heart as the B. Go figure. Incidentally, in 1999, Britney Spears did a cover of the song, and well, I had to listen to it because that's my job here. I strongly recommend, I strongly recommend that you do not. 
Okay, let's jump to 1998 and this big beat track by Fatboy Slim called Crazy. Now this track features a lot of sampling, including a piano track from a stereo test album, a snippet of guitar music from Disneyland's It's a Small World, and a chunk of audio from the theme to the cartoon show, Fat Albert and the Cosby Kids. But the thing that makes it a cover is that all of these elements were used to support yet another sample, that of Camille Yarbrough and a song of hers from 1975. Let me tell you a little story about that. Yarbrough created a one-woman show in 1971 called Tales and Tunes of an African-American Griot. In 1975, she created an album titled The Iron Pot Cooker, which was based on the show. And one of the tracks was this number, titled Take Your Praise. We've come a long, long way together Through the hard times and the good I have to celebrate you, baby I have to praise you like I should You're so rare, so fine Camille Yarbrough was successful enough with Tales and Tunes of an African-American Griot that she was able to tour the show throughout the 70s and 80s. Okay, one more for today, and while this song wasn't a huge hit on the Billboard charts, it definitely put the artists on the map. In 1988, the Cowboy Junkies recorded their second album, titled The Trinity Sessions. The entire album was recorded in the Church of the Holy Trinity in Toronto, Canada, with the entire band arranged around a single microphone. And while there are a few covers on the album, the song that really helped the album break out is this one, titled Sweet Jane. But Sweet Jane dates back to about 1970, when Lou Reed was still with the Velvet Underground. The original release of the song sounds like this. Sweet Jane, oh, 
but most people know this version. This is the live version as performed by a solo Lou Reed on 1973's Rock and Roll Animal album. But also in 1973, an album that collected various Velvet Underground performances released called 1969 Velvet Underground Live, and it had this track recorded at The Matrix in San Francisco. And this appears to be the template on which the Cowboy Junkies built their version. As I mentioned, none of these were huge tracks chart-wise, but the Cowboy Junkies got enough attention from it that the Trinity Sessions album climbed to number 26 on the Top 200 Albums chart. And now it's time to answer today's trivia question. Back on page 2, I asked you about Mickey Dolenz and his acting career. Well, several years before he was a monkey, he was the star of the show Circus Boy, where he played Corky, the youngster whose parents were killed in a trapeze accident. Corky's best friend is an elephant, so believe it or not, it's a circus variation on Lassie or Rin Tin Tin. Do you suppose I could join the Rough Riders with you? You're a little young, don't you think? Well, you and Teddy are such good friends, maybe if you asked him. Well, they, they do have drummer boys in the army. Well, I can't play a drum. That's some confession, Mick. Later on in the early 1970s, both he and fellow monkey Michael Nesmith were under consideration to play one of television's most iconic roles, that of Arthur Fonzarelli on the show Happy Days. The story goes that they were both rejected for the part because of their height. In fact, they're both six feet one tall, and that makes them several inches taller than most of the other guys playing teenagers on the show. I'm only sorry that I couldn't find audition footage of Mickey playing the Fonz, but you can find clips of him when he was on the nighttime soap opera Peyton Place playing bad boy Kitsch Bruner. That was right before he was cast for the Monkees. And that's another full lid on yet another edition of How Good It Is. If you're enjoying the show, please take the time to share it with someone and maybe even leave a rating somewhere. If you want to get in touch with the show, well, you can email me at howgoodpodcast at gmail.com or you can follow the show on Twitter or Instagram at howgooditispod. You can also visit, like, and follow the show's Facebook page at facebook.com slash howgooditispod. Or you can check out the show's website, howgooditis.com, where you might find a few extra bits. Thanks, as usual, to Podcast Republic for featuring the show. Thank you so much for listening, and I will talk to you next time.